Hey, uh, last night in the uh, college basketball world, good win for Houston. That that has the look of a Final Four team. I I heard I heard Parker yesterday say it. By the way, I I think Parker Thune is quickly becoming one of my favorite people. Mike Steely is there fighting for his life with his equipment. You know, he's on a phone. He's trying to fix a headset jack. And he goes, Parker, how's it going back in studio? Parker goes, I'm just living my best life right now, Steely. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mike's out there fighting for his life. It just brought me. It was hilarious. Uh, but Parker had said it, and, I, and it stayed with me all night long. That looks like a Final Four team. That really does. Could be cutting down some nets using uh... – that, that ladder from Joe C. That ladder Joe C. Got Kelvin Sampson whenever he got the job. Um, but I thought that was I thought that was surgical what we saw from Houston last night in beating Iowa State 73 to 65. Also, uh, it wasn't the only game in the Big 12 last night. Texas beat Kansas State 62 to 56. Of course, uh, tonight you get a triple header. In the Big 12, UCF at West Virginia, that's at 6. Baylor's at BYU at 8 o'clock tonight, followed by TCU at Texas Tech. And, uh, of course, we all know Oklahoma this weekend against Oklahoma State, who plays Cincinnati in Cincinnati on Wednesday. So maybe – so you're saying there's a chance. Also, NASCAR, William Byron won the Daytona 500, the rain-delayed Daytona 500. Uh, and I feel like I'm missing – oh, yeah, I'm going to get to the, the J.R. Salem, Curtis Lofton news here in a bit. We're going to hear from a Jackson Arnold. Anything else that kind of stood out to you from last night that I'm missing out on? No NBA yet, so we got a little bit of time before they start the second half of the season. Didn't feel like there was any big football news that broke last night. No. You know, I, there was one thing. We, we've got Heather Dinich slated to join us on the show. The problem is, is it will either happen today or it will happen tomorrow or it won't happen at all. Huh. That's because, good. Yeah, but, well, I, I talked to her on Sunday. But I'm like, by the time Wednesday rolls around, it's going to be a little bit old news. But we're, we're kind of waiting for some. You know, let's, let's do that. Let's just make this an all-college football hour. Let's do that at the bottom of the hour. Because we're, we're, essentially, in a, we're essentially in a spot where – we got to figure out what these playoffs are going to look like. And we're dragging feet right now. To All right, so are we going to have 12 teams? What's the future look like? Is it going to be forever and ever? I mean, wh- where are we right now? Payout structure. Oh, yeah, college softball last night. Oklahoma State beat Florida 3-zip. It's a good win for the Cowgirls, who had lost back-to-back games, had a couple games uh, rained out. Jocelyn Erickson, who had been off to a nice start for Florida, went over 3 last night. And Alexi Kilfoyle was really good. Uh Six strikeouts, three hits, complete game shutout. So that was college softball. Before we move on to Palm Springs, the the bat signal has been sent out to JT Gasso to see if he can join us. We'll see. I know JT was battling a, a bug. We'll see. Okay. 10.07. It's the Plank Show on a Tuesday. I didn't get to hear Jackson Arnold live. I went and I downloaded the podcast at KREF.com, or uh, I go to Apple Podcasts and I just subscribe so I get every show in my inbox. You can do it as well, too. Simply search KREF. I thought it was pretty good. Now, like like we warned you, you're not going to get, wow, this guy's having a great offseason, or this guy's doing something, or I've noticed this guy. Uh, but Tyler did ask Jackson Arnold, what's the process been like to gain timing and confidence and working with a pretty new group of wide receivers? 
here's what the quarterback had to say during his appearance at the Young Family Athletic Center grand opening. Uh, I feel great. We've been throwing a lot of these past couple of weeks. I'm getting used to throwing to some of these new guys, whether it's it's Dion or, or transfers or even the new freshmen coming in, just getting used and getting acclimated to everybody. And, um, and the same with the O-linemen, too. All the new guys we got coming in, it's, it's been crucial these past couple of weeks to kind of meet them and, and know them on a personal level and, and kind of bond with them and start to get things rolling before spring ball starts up in a couple of weeks. All right, overly optimistic homer take. You ready? Let's hear it. You ready? That's a really big deal to me that that kid gets – how important it is to have those relationships with more than just a couple of wide receivers. Because who did he make sure to mention there? Offensive line. I know that it's not like you can go and an offensive lineman can work on blocking someone, but working on footwork, having that relationship, developing that bond. Comfort. Comfort is the term that a professional broadcast like uh, broadcaster like Josh Elmer would have used. Comfort. I thought probably getting a little bit too excited about that, making too much of it. But to me, Josh, I thought that was a big deal. Hey, it's February twentieth, baby. Shh. <laughs> it's it um, is a big deal. There is a new offensive coordinator for the Sooners. I don't know if you guys have heard this. Jeff Levy took the Mississippi State job. A couple of new OCs. Joe John Finley and Seth Luttrell. Uh, Jackson Arnold was asked how that fit is going. I promise you he was. Jackson? Yeah, it was definitely uh, weird at first. Um, just having to switch coaches yeah. for like three weeks. But um, I, was, I was already close with uh, – Coach Finley and Coach Luttrell. Um, so the, the transition from them to stepping in and taking over wasn't – it wasn't like – it wasn't uh, awkward for me or uncomfortable or anything. We, we all bonded and, and gelled quickly. And, um, you know, obviously the bowl game was, wasn't what we hoped it to be. But, I mean, I think we're going we're gonna to go hard this offseason and get after it. So, again, he's, he's mastered some coach speak. I'll tell you that much. I wonder, Josh, how different – how different it's going to look, the offense, right? Because Joe John Finley, I think he would be the one to tell you, is he's a kind of a levy disciple, right? He and Jeff worked together in the past. He was the one that, you know, if you were to ask some other coaches, he, he was teaching the offense to them. Which is wild because I remember when Joe John came in, he was talking about learning Lincoln's system, right? And understanding how different what he did is from what Joe John had done before. So I wonder, you know, since the season ended, what is that process going to be like? What is it going to look like? And how different will it look, Josh, even as early as, say, the spring? Because got your quarterback on campus. He's going to be your guy. I mean, we're right – this is like we took uh, we took a quarterback with the second pick in the draft, and we're going to be as good as he is, right? And and we didn't play him his rookie year until one game left. Same thing they did with Mahomes, and now we grow from that. Only problem is Mahomes looked damn good in that game against Denver. I remember watching that and thinking, Yeah, he's got a chance. Oh God, <laughs> oh gosh, we're all screwed. A bit back to the point. And it's not like Jackson looked terrible in the Arizona game, right? I mean, just there were some things they did late that. Couple of a freshman mistakes, yeah. But I just, I it, it takes me full circle back. You know, if you can nerd out on a conversation that 
you know, we're 193 days, six hours, and 48 minutes away from finding out when they open up the season against Temple. By the way, our countdown clock brought to you by Chick-fil-A, 12th and Alameda, 405-310-3189. I know that we got a long way, but we're not too far from the spring. So I'm just – I'm curious how different it's going to look in that short amount of time. But he seems comfortable. Uh, what, what do you expect to be different? I, I know the – I'm not even looking at the text line, but I'm willing to bet there's a joke about no more jet sweeps. Jet levy. I bet – I. it's not suddenly going to become – I mean, it's not going to become – like a power running game, I don't think, but I I kind of think you might see more of that. You know, Seth Luttrell is a true, like, air raid guy. That's that's his background. But, you know, what does the process look like of meshing an offense? You know, how much language needs to be changed? I mean, for goodness sakes, the game-winning play in the Super Bowl was called Corn Dog. You know, Tom and Jerry. But then whenever – Andy Reid went into the explanation of it. You were like, well, that sounds much more complicated than corn dog." You know, it's like it, this isn't on the on the streets. We get in the dirt. It's like run corn dog. What was the what was the play to Tyree kill too? What was that one called? Uh, wasp. Wasp. Yeah. I Jet mean, chip wasp. It, it just you're like it's that simple. Just call it corn dog and run it. But you know the terminology meshing, the blocking meshing, and then the time that you have and don't have. You know, and make that happen. Like what what does that truly look like? So I am – I know it's not a great answer, but I, I don't know. I'm just intrigued by it. I would love to know how much more difficult it is to learn how much has changed, how much language is truly changing between what Coach Levy was doing and what Seth and Joe John are going to do because one of the reasons why you promote from within is – Continuity. Familiarity. Continuity. So, I don't know. Maybe it's not going to change much at all. Maybe. Um, Just the way you call a game. Right. Maybe changes a little bit. Jackson was asked about the running backs and the new look of that running back room whenever he was on with Teddy and Tyler yesterday on The Rush. More bodies. I mean, we brought in three new guys. Um, Taylor is not up here yet, but um, Sam and X are up here right now. And it's a lot of bodies. It's a well-rounded group. Like, you got some, some big guys. Like, X is a really big guy. And you got super fast guys like Sam, Sawchuck, Javante, and, and all these guys are—they're all getting reps. They're all looking good right now. We're not—we're not doing anything uh, team-related right now, so I'm not seeing them in their their full yeah. potential or their their element right now. But um, it's a well-rounded group right now, and I'm I'm impressed so far. Okay, like that. You can tell though. Even he mentions Taylor, right? He's like, sure. Taylor's not here yet. Okay. Um, two they, more. They expect him to be special. Uh, nice to hear that, you know, X is there and already providing something a little little bit different. I mean, has has anyone pointed out to Toby all of the uh, all of the X things that are going to be out there whenever Xavier Robinson does something good? X going to give it to him, going to give it to him. I mean, come on. I mean, these things write themselves, right? Low-hanging fruit, baby. I mean, it's so easy. X, got to give it to him. Touchdown. I can just hear it. You think Toby would be a fan if I would play in some Rough Riders? You think he would like that, or do you think that's not really his genre? How could he not? How could you not? Uh, two more. Oh, I'm sorry. Probably yeah. not his genre, though. <laughs> do 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 do. Now I gotta hear. Now I'm gonna hear that song in my head all day. 
um, what he felt like he needed to improve upon. In other words, I, I don't know if I have to explain that much further as far as a good question that Teddy asked, but here you go. Asked after the, the bowl game and everything where he feels like he needs to continue to improve. Yeah, regardless of um, the outcomes of the games or my performances last year, I'm really grateful for the opportunities I was given. Um, I think it's big for me being uh, at the age I am and in the position I am right now to have those game reps and kind of get that beneath me, you know, have that, that one bad game and kind of flush it, flush it away and, um, and learn from it, um, whether it's being more decisive in my game or, or playing fast or pushing the tempo of our offense or just being a leader in general. There's all things I need to work on this offseason. I think, you know, playing those game, playing in that game and having those reps was huge for me. Um, I wouldn't even call it a bad game per se, just – I mean, multiple bad mistakes. Can I be over – can I be reading way too much into something, guy? Did you catch what he what he said right here? Hold on. This – for some reason, Audacity has a lag to it on my computer. Have that, that one bad game and kind of flush it, flush it away and, um, and learn from it, um, whether it's being more decisive in my game or, or playing fast or pushing the tempo of our offense. Or- pushing the tempo. Okay. There had been some debates about what role tempo might have going forward. Right. I mean, we all pretty much know what it had in the past. I mean, that just might be old talking points, if you will, but it's. Yeah, that doesn't sound like, hey, we're trying to get rid of tempo. That's right. Again, sorry to be that guy. Sorry to be that guy. Absolutely overanalyzing everything that is said in this because it's the little, little bit that we get. But, I, okay, that's awesome. And then I thought this was a great question from Tyler. It's a great question from Tyler. The top 10 fastest receivers, top 10 players in college football came out. Brendan Thompson was not on that list. <laughs> uh, and in talking about Brendan Thompson – I thought this was good from Jackson Arnold. And talking about Brendan Thompson not being on that list, here's what JFA had to say. That actually surprises me that you say he wasn't on that list. Like That's that's genuinely the fastest guy I've seen in person by far. Um, and whenever we're talking about, you know, whether it was bowl game, practice, you know, we had that – we had the uh, the touchdown play to Brendan in game and all week and I guess I guess the couple weeks before when we were uh, practicing bowl practice, he's – Coach the trails, he goes, throw that thing as far as you can. <laughs> throw it with some air and let Brendan run under it. And sure enough, sure enough, it came to fruition. But, yeah, that's, that's one of the fastest dudes I've been around. Um, shocks me he wasn't on that list. Okay. Uh, what's, the, what's the joke that – That's great. Throw that, that baby as far as you can. So what's the joke that, uh, that Joe – I think Joe Burrow started it maybe where he's like, you know, I just threw it up and it's like Jamar Chase down there somewhere. Justin Jefferson's down there somewhere. Yep. Throw it up. Brendan Thompson's down there somewhere. All right, takeaways, uh, 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 over analysis, anything at uh, on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. I would encourage you guys to go check out the entire interview. I think I think I kind of clipped out almost the entire interview there. But I just – I see it. I, I, I want to watch the kid practice. I want to watch him. I, I guess we won't see a lot of practice, but I want to watch him play. I want to – See the development. I want to see the development. And right now, you know, we are entering into what I like to call almost two phases of talking season. That's the post-spring phase 
and then the preseason phase. Yep. Now, maybe we should add a third because inevitably there's going to be a – and I'm again, when I say this, I'm not knocking it. But there's going to be a team-sourced note or a I've heard this about a player who's wowing in the spring and then you never hear from him again, right? Yep. And then we'll get to do a little bit, a little bit more of that in uh, August. August, well. right? See, there you go. And I'll constantly be saying, you know, guy, I'm keeping my eye on. Had a great spring. You're like, yeah, we're tired of hearing it. But eh, there's Jackson Arnold. Now, when we come back, before we get a little Heather Dinich after the bottom of the hour, Josh, um, some movement in the front office of the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll dive into it next, right here on the Ref. <laughs> I was playing uh, X during the commercial break, so DMX, so I had, to, I had to mute the mic in here just to be safe. Oh, Josh is getting the dreaded what time is a game question off the air. Oh, you're such a kind person. Hey, I'm out Thursday. Audi? Audi. I don't know. I TJ, I, I guess I talked to him and gave him my schedule because he's like, yeah, I have it. I'm like, what? He knew. He knew. We are – we are leaving at super early a.m. on Thursday. <laughs> at precisely <laughs> at precisely early earlier than I like. But it's kind of cool because we're flying. Well, I'm not going to get back in time on Sunday night for my show. So I'm truly in, that's what I'm looking for, in, um, not ingrained, line. I'm truly with the team all weekend long is, I guess, what I'm You're saying. You're embedded. Embedded! Ah! <laughs> is that what you were looking for? That's what for? I was looking for. <laughs> okay, good. We found it. Um, but, hey, so I'll be out Thursday. But we're building uh, a lot of shows around it. JT has the bat signal. Coach is meeting with the media tonight. I was hoping to get Coach, Pat, uh, Coach Patty Gasso on, or as my daughter refers to her every time I tell her, it's like, hey, I had a – I had breakfast with Coach today. It's, you mean head coach Patty Gasso? I'm like, yes, head coach Patty Gasso. <laughs> but it was great. I, nobody seemed That's to incredible. be Nobody seemed to be as interested, Josh, whenever we were waiting on the bus to go to a game on the pictures of my daughter's pigs, uh, pig show performances I seemed to be on Saturday morning. I was a little bit disappointed. I'm sorry. I would have been uh, intrigued. I, I, I thought it was going to wow the room, but it really didn't. It everybody, kinda, everybody said Everybody's hey. kind of like – how many pigs do you have? My like, my fiance would be very interested to learn more about the pigs. I just I don't know if I'm showing them so they can understand the pain of what I'm going through, or if I'm I don't know. I might I think I'm kind of proud of the pig. I think that's my baby. Look at that beautiful pig. Good old Wilbur. We have two bits of news involving Oklahoma Sooner football beyond just the fact that um, we had Jackson Arnold on the sh- on the station yesterday, and you heard some of the highlights of that moments ago. J.R. Sandlin is leaving Oklahoma. His J.R. seemed like a great dude. I, I didn't get to know him too terribly well. We weren't around each other a lot. But in um in all of my interactions with him, he, he was a great dude. Super nice. Loved football. And, and from what I understood, J.R. really wanted to be in an assistant AD's role. And he had a Really good relationship with Lee. He, he and Lee Davis w- worked together really well. So maybe, you know, when she left and she went off to UCF to get we're at what? An assistant AD role. And that opportunity came out to be the GM and be an assistant AD at, at U- SMU. Uh, he, he jumped at it. 
and and maybe part of it too, Josh, was well, I don't want to have to worry about bringing in somebody that I'm going to have to to train up whenever I you know already had someone here. I don't know, whatever it might be. Good on him for getting an opportunity to go somewhere and and have the role that he wants. So I'm we got to come up with a new one because it used to be the Vince McMahon theory. I don't think we're going to be able to use that one ever again. It doesn't seem like it. And I do mean ever. But kudos to JR. And guys, this this is a this is going to become I think a little bit of the norm. Those are those are really hard jobs. Those are really hard jobs. And you're going to be in a position where, I think, just me, there's going to be a lot of turnover. You know, I know, I know. Naturally, there is the there's the well. You're in Oklahoma. Why would you want to go to UCF or why would you ever want to go somewhere else? I mean, more responsibilities, a chance to make a little bit more money. And when I say more responsibilities, it might be more responsibilities with a little bit. Easier work schedule. I don't think anyone's looking for an easier work schedule, but it's just not. It's not as nonstop twenty four seven three sixty five. You know every aspect, every aspect of the football world, of of the softball world, of the baseball world, of the basketball world, has been constantly evolving to the point where, at every level, there are there are no days off. Right. It's you know, an ongoing calendar. That's right. So. You know, you go to a place where maybe there's a little bit more power, but in that same vein. It's not as intensive as OU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say anything bad about Brent or anyone in that. I mean, they're awesome. It's just you're going to a place where. SMU and Oklahoma are not the same. They're not the same, but you're also, I mean, Mississippi State and Oklahoma isn't the same. But Zach Selman went and took that job because it was, and he got to run his own department. Sure. Here's J.R. Sandley gets to run his own department and have an, a, a more friendly title. Here's Lee Davis that goes and has a title. We saw the process of the edition yesterday. The young lady's coming in from USC. And according to OU Insider, the editions continue. Uh, multiple sources have told OU Insider that Curtis Lofton is set to occupy the role of general manager for the OU football program. According to the tweet, he's in his um, – well, third year now with the soul, two seasons with the soul mission, the behind the scenes, uh, he's actually been performing some of the duties of the GM role from time to time. Uh, I have a question. I have a big question here. Fire away. What exactly would the duties be of a general manager in college? Like I could sit here and reel off the duties of a general manager in the NFL. Maybe this is a Parker question, I think, too, right? He would know this. I'm sure some of y'all probably would have a good feel, but when they say GM of a college football program, college football is run by the coaches. You know, really, truly is. So does that mean, you know, in a GM spot, for the most part in the NFL, what's the GM? He's over the coaches. It goes owner, GM, coach in most power structures. Or maybe... Owner, GM, vice president, a player, personnel, coach, something like that, right? It, I mean, coaches are over everything in college football. So are we going to eventually see, Josh, a moment to where 
a transition to where that general manager becomes as powerful as a head coach in the college ranks? Is it is it as simple as when you're the GM, you're 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 kind of the puppeteer, and you've got your coaches that you're making sure that they have everything they need. You have your recruiting side, or they have everything they need. the video side. All right, you've got to get these edits out. I mean, it payroll, and and by payroll I mean what does it look like? You know, is is he the guy that's in charge of? Hey, the collective is giving this much money to this player, and understanding who's getting what. I I, I mean, can universities yet have a voice in that? It just seems like for me, it's a. It, a general manager is in charge of like everything in in the NFL. Sure. So is that the same responsibilities in college? I think more name image likeness and roster management components. That works. That that, that seems like it would be a fitting a fitting responsibility, a fitting job description. And it also is probably something that will become even more important if and when those NIL abilities come in-house, right? When you are able to have that under your football program's roof. Not to say it wouldn't be important now, but just once, I don't want to say collectives will go away, but once the collectives can have that relationship with the school or there's the – there's the head coach's office. There's the offensive line's office. Oh, look, there's the Crimson and Cream Collective's office or whatever. Then maybe that'll be more of a lot. Sure. I'm just I'm – still, I'm still learning up on it, to be real honest. And I think, you know, Curtis Lofton is a guy that's done a lot of media stuff with us. I'm a big Curtis Lofton fan. And I heard Curtis speak at the uh, end-of-the-season luncheon that I was blessed enough to host – and that man can do whatever he wants. I mean, literally, he, he could do whatever he wants, anywhere he wants, anytime. He's just that good. And hearing him talk, the relationships he developed with these guys. You know, we're, we only at the luncheon, you know, because guys like Gabriel is already off to Oregon. Drake is working on his NFL draft stock and Walter Rouse. So we didn't have a ton of the guys whose career came to an end there. But when, when Curtis would talk about him, I mean, Josh, even down to a walk-on. I mean, it's just the the in-depth conversations, the relationship he had created. You're like, oh, all right, this this dude, let's get him on the recruiting trail. Or, <laughs> you know, he can. He, he had meaningful relationships with all of them, and it was really neat to see. Sean uh, off the Kinnipemeyer Chevrolet text line four zero five six five. Wait a minute, four thirty nine. Don't don't get a wine sooner, mad at you. You can say it. It's off the super secret textoso line, isn't it? It's okay. By the way, has Hawaiian Sooner texted back since I got mad about that? No, I don't think so. I'm sorry, dude. I hope you know that we're just – it's all in fun. I'm not hiding anything from you. I love you. If you can get up at 5.30 a.m. to listen to this show, you're my kind of guy. Okay, back to Sean's text. In college, the GM is going to be a glorified personal assistant to the head coach. I think you're right. (laughs) I but think you're I right. mean, but that's but it a coveted, could grow. That's it a coveted grow. position. Oh yeah, I would, I would want to do it. I'd do it now. It would involve me having to work a heck of a lot harder than I do right now. 
You know, it's like, hey, I do a three-hour radio show, and then, you know, I'm off to softball or I'm off to, you know, whatever other responsibilities I have. But I would imagine that that's a job to where you're, if you're the right-hand man for BV, it's it's intense, and you want to do a good job for him. So, good luck to Curtis Lofton. I think he's going to be great at it. All right, ten thirty-six. We'll hear from Heather Dinich when we come back right here on the Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the home of Sooner fans. We are the Ref with Josh Halber. I'm Chris Plank. What? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't find myself watching the NBA every single night. Right? I'm just that's never really been my thing. But too busy, I, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I do. I kind of miss it when it's gone. <laughs> it's like it's not here. So I'm like, wait, what? What? Where's the Where's the NBA at? My God, I told you guys we need the NBA here, and it's uh, the longest All Star break in the history of ever. Last couple of nights, you're you're looking for something to watch, and not there. Not there. Um, baseball. Are are you? Do you have responsibilities this weekend, or is Toby covering the whole kit and caboodle? Doubleheader on Saturday. Oh, do you really? Yeah, it'll be great. Are you getting uh, Ross this weekend, or are you working with Rich Hills, or do you know yet? Uh, I think it's going to be Mr. Blake Brewster. Really? Yeah. I like Blake. Maybe we should get him on Friday and preview the weekend. That'd be great. Um, I do know for us, for softball, it's, um, it's getting here. It's getting here for the opening of Love's Field, right? I mean, we oh, are- Sneaking up, baby. Sean, on the super secret Textoso line, sent me a link to where there are, I would assume, I assume this is uh, third-party vendors, and you're looking at tickets that are uh, in upwards of $300 each. Wow. Uh, In fact, he's, I don't know if I would trust this one. There's a couple that are in the outfield. They're charging like $2,000 for two tickets. $2,790. Here's $3,000 for the outfield. That's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's something. But awesome, too, right? It's great for Oklahoma softball. It's great for the sport of softball. But, uh, whew, it's a lot of cash. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to afford that. At all. Uh, Heather Dennis is going to join us after the break. So we're going to try to break on time here. That way I can, that way I can chop off two non kind of football related questions. So let me get two texts here. This is good from the sooner Andy. He writes as to the GM role, think of it as an overall coordinator of the roster working in concert with BV number of scholarships position per position, Determining recruiting priorities by position and individual players. You have a scout team identifying high school and portal players for coaches to evaluate, prioritize, sliding in IL money to the market value by position, need, and player quality, communicating NIL dollars available to assistant coaches, and lastly, managing the total 85 scholarships. Yeah. It's, managing the roster is a full time gig. That's right. Which, again, I, I don't. I don't know the history of the general manager's role in the NFL. I don't know if it's a chicken and an egg thing to where it was just like this and the coach had done everything. He's like, I need to get a general manager in here. I need someone to run this thing or vice versa. Or as some would say, vice versa. 
But I do know this. That's a lot. And it would take, I think, quite a bit off a coach's plate. Uh, And then there is this. By the way, UConn Al, that picture you sent me is awesome. Hanging on the corner of Winslow, Arizona. If you continue to move towards making football its own animal, will it want to keep all the money it brings in, especially to parents, lawyers, and players? uh, When the parents, lawyers, and players start talking about revenue sharing, even softball could come up short in funding. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's the... You know what one of Patty Gasso's biggest goals is? You know, you know what the one thing she wants to do is for softball to turn a profit. And it's going to when it gets in Love's Field. It's going to. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's tough when you start thinking about, well, let's go make football my own entity. Let's do it. Because it hurts the other sports. Oh, they'll find a way. Will they? I don't I don't know because all we've done is undercut a system that as as wrong as it seems is set up to where you're able to do a lot of things with non-revenue sports because of what football does. Sure. And if you're moving towards its own entity. <sighs> shark rights. Let me get my hands on your neck plank. I'll get you right. Well, I don't I don't know if I could take it. I'm very soft. <laughs> very weak i'll probably cry like a baby if if you start i've got a crick in my neck that's now lasted three days welcome to old age let the chiropractor get no. to work and make you no whole again i i stretch and i cry you think i'm gonna let anyone touch it no there's an out of context all right heather dinich talking about the role of the uh 80s and presidents in the 12 team playoff vote next right here on the ref hour two it's the plank show we're back Josh Elmer alongside Chris Plank. Hour two presented by Allison Insurance. That is allisoninsurance.com. Give Bob and Robert Allison a call, 405-745-2968, and let them find the needs to best fit you and your office for insurance or you and your family. They've been helping you out for over 60 years. Again, allisoninsurance.com. Well, speak of the devil, college football playoff, and uh, we just so happen to get breaking news this morning on, well, just that. Matt Zenitz reporting uh, that the college football playoff has now officially shifted to a 5-plus-7 format. This is uh, from the release. The college football playoff board of managers today unanimously revised the qualifying criteria for the 12-team event to now include the five highest-ranked conference champions plus the next seven highest-ranked teams as determined by the CFP Selection Committee. So 5-7 format, the five highest-ranked conference champions, the next seven highest-ranked teams as determined by the CFP Selection Committee. And, of course, all of our breaking news brought to us by Wagner's Heating, Air Conditioning, Electrical, and Plumbing. We sell the best, service the rest. So I asked Heather Dinich this weekend, are we inevitably going to a larger number than 12? Are your sources telling you that eventually all this talk around 12 will be irrelevant because we'll be at 16, if not more? Wait for it. 
station that if it hasn't gathered steam yet because they're so focused on implementing the 12-team playoff for the next two years and getting a TV contract done, I guarantee you it's going to become more serious sooner than later. Because the reality of the situation is this. When you look at the 12-team playoff with the automatic bids and you've got these super conferences, the teams within the leagues are going to their commissioner saying, how am I going to get in this thing? Right. right. And and it's, even with 12 teams, it's going to be a Big Ten, SEC, Notre Dame heavy lineup, save for that 12th spot that's probably more often than not going to get bumped out for the likes of a Liberty or a Tulane, which people probably don't realize. So, huh. yes, I do think, you know, sources have said that Tony Petiti, to my knowledge, is the only person who has brought up 16 teams and that was quickly hey we're not going to talk about that right now um so i do think at some point simple math says this will be a topic of conversation you know what i just realized it i I have a teenage daughter heather and i know i think you have younger children she's 15 Mm -hmm. she's just getting her driver's permit she's already Mm -hmm. wanting to talk about what kind of car she's going to get and all these things i'm like whoa 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 hold on we got to learn. Let's let's drive first, right? And I kind of get the sense that maybe there's a part of this where, like, oh no, we we understand that's got to be an issue, but let's get the rest of this in order, and then we can go from there, right? And there are so many things they still have to get in order. The number one thing being the TV deal, and ESPN and other outlets have reported that that's the way it's trending, that ESPN will continue to be the sole rights holder. It's going to be at the end of this two years plus a six-year deal, $1.3 billion, which should create some stability. Um, but in the new contract, which begins after the next two seasons, it is open for discussion uh, in terms of what it could look like. Quite frankly, I think one of the things at the top of the list, if it isn't already now, should be how they vote to change the playoff. Right now, it has to be unanimous amongst the 10 FBS presidents and chancellors um, plus Notre Dame's president in order to change the format. That's why it hasn't gone to five plus seven, five conference champions plus the next seven highest-ranked teams yet because the Pac-12 hasn't voted in favor of it yet. That could happen this week. But the point is, if it weren't unanimous, if there was some weighted way of voting or a simple majority, this would have been done months ago. So I think that's one thing that they could certainly tackle in the new contract is throw out the unanimity that's been needed, which has slowed up the process, not only of five plus seven, but many other things, including playoff expansion itself. Okay. Interesting. Right. That was a part of like a 15 minute interview. I didn't realize I kept it that long. They uh, probably should go to majority rule yeah i agree i i i agree whatever you know weighted form you formula you want to go to you don't want to be in a situation where everything has to be unanimous uh, and and maybe we should be clear because i know this sets I, is it already 11 o'clock basically Dude, this show Y'all need to tell your friends, you're wanting to get a chunk of a day that just disappears. Tune in from 9 to noon. Unless I'm on the road or Josh is off, then the show takes forever. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm sorry, Connor. Sorry. sorry Billy Tubbs Day helped, though. Billy Tubbs Day helped a lot. Okay. Um, What was I just saying? Oh, we, 
the thing that's interesting is when you say, well, who's the five? Because we got a couple of those. ACC, Big 12, SEC, Big 10, and next highest ranked. Group of five. So that, unfortunately, Liberty getting kicked. <laughs> Who got smoked last year? Every, and uh, listen, Cincinnati got beat badly when it went to the playoffs. TCU won a game, but then what happened in the championship game? No one remembers them beating Michigan. That's going to have people feeling some sort of way. But inclusion. But, you know, can we do this before the top five stories of the day? A lot of really good questions on this right now. Sure, let's rifle through them. Let's rifle through them next right here on The Ref. Stick around. Top five stories of the day and your questions on the new look of the 12-team playoff.